0: We often think of well-being as one-dimensional. What if we look at it from a different perspective? The possibilities are endless.
1: All you have to do is step outside the square. Let's walk this walk together and hold on tight
0: for the ride. My name is Fiona. I'm a corporate wellness facilitator, body image and eating psychology coach, and a lover of joyful experiences.
1: And I'm Josephine, a dietitian, somatic release therapist, and a recovering people-pleaser and perfectionist.
0: Welcome to Outside the Square. Hello, welcome to another week. Today we thought we'd talk
1: about honouring your gifts and feeling appreciated for those things with a particular focus on internal validation because I don't know about you Fiona, but the moments where I feel underappreciated are the moments where I forget to validate myself.
0: Absolutely. I think it's something that we often think about that difference about what other people think of us. We know that a lot of people are stuck in that judgment space or worried about judgment needing that external validation. And yet what's really important is also how we validate and think about those things and the things that we're really good at and the things that we offer and be able to know that ourselves even without that external validation yeah absolutely if you ask me what do you think you're good at or what do you think your gifts are my first reaction is probably I don't know I know that when I've asked that question of of people before the answer is nothing and so I think this is going to be a really valuable conversation because it comes to that space of being able to sort of articulate and be proud of the things that you are good at and the gifts that you do have in a way that's authentic.
1: I think Australia and New Zealand might be the same here but in New Zealand we are very quick to be modest, to avoid tall poppy syndrome and to basically not brag about what we're really good at. And that means that it loses some shine internally. Like we, because we never say it aloud, we actually forget. We're not honoring those parts of ourselves.
0: Yep. There is... I think a fear of not wanting to seem arrogant, of not wanting to be seen as shouting from the rooftops, I'm really good at this or I'm really good at that. And as you say, that tall poppy syndrome, which does come up as well, that that sense of when someone, you know, we root for that person and when they find that success and then some of those other feelings of jealousy or spite can, can come up and that can, then stop us from actually wanting to share and to say what's going on and what we, we're really sharing our gifts around. So there's a lot that sits under this, and I think that's a really uh, important part of this conversation is that finding our gifts, speaking about our gifts, acknowledging them to ourselves as well as out loud to others, there's a lot of underlying emotions that can get in the way.
1: And I think for me, it was not caring what others think. I think I'm good at my job, at coaching. So I've just started to speak about what I do in public spaces. And in doing so, trying to shed that hearing about judgment piece, because if I think I'm good enough, then I can. I have a right to stand up and speak about it. And if people like it, Great. Come on into my world and listen. If you don't, fine, unfollow.
0: That can be a really hard thing to to come to. You and I probably both have talked about being somewhat reformed people pleasers. I want to make sure that everyone's happy and everyone's comfortable. And I know lots of women that I speak to that feel the same. I, they say, I don't want to rock the boat. I want, to, I want to be everything to everybody. And yet when we can really acknowledge what our gifts are, one of our gifts might not be for everybody. And that's, that's okay. And so that can be really hard to process that. And, and as you say, you're getting to that point where, yeah, you have a right to talk about those things that you're good at and that you are good enough about. And for the people who aren't interested, we can actually let that go. I know even before
1: I sit down to do a podcast, there's that unease, isn't there? Like, oh gosh, is what we're going to say actually worth listening to? And it is that moment of actually just, again, like from your pain, from your biggest insecurities, often come your gifts. You've just got to sit with that pain long enough to find, right, what is this? Pushing, what is this chaos, this challenge bringing out of me? Where can I go creatively with this pain?
0: One of the things that comes up a lot around looking at our talents and our gifts, one of the things I do in my corporate sessions and when I'm working with corporate clients is a strengths finder, a strengths assessment. That looks at, you know, what are your natural talents and what are the things that you do without even realizing that you're doing it? And quite often, when I'm in a coaching session with an individual around their strengths and their talents, they don't even think that that's a talent, right? Because for them, it just comes so naturally that you might have someone who's that person who will talk to anyone if you get in a lift you might be the person who says hello, or chats to everyone. Now, there's going to be some people listening who goes, yes, I love doing that, hopping into a bar or into a lift or into an area and introducing myself and getting to know someone. There are going to be a lot of people who who are listening going, do not make me do that. I would never talk to someone else in, in that type of setting. And that's okay, because we need both of those things in life and in the people that we have. But Because it's so natural to us, we don't always think that that could actually be something that benefits or that is actually a strength or is actually something that we can draw upon and we can use because we haven't made the connection that that is actually a gift that we have because it's just how we operate. So I think when we think about finding our gifts or discovering our gifts or being able to acknowledge them, it's actually about kind of looking at what are you naturally doing already? What are the things that you naturally gravitate towards? What are the behaviors that you naturally do? What are, What is the thing that people always come and ask you for? That's going to give you some clues to start really seeing how you naturally operate.
1: Mm, and that so
0: easily trickles down
1: into feeling underappreciated, doesn't it? If you and acknowledging within yourself that, yeah, I'm always a person that does that heavy lifting and initiates conversation, or I'm always a person that initiates planning for our group of friends, or I'm the glue that brings the community together, then you're not going to feel appreciated in your role as friend, and then it's easy to become bitter or frustrated with those around you that you are giving too much and receiving nothing in return. And if you're feeling like that way, then I encourage you to flip it on its head and start to look for these things within you and appreciating them within yourself. And then you'll actually see the compliments when they're coming towards you. The mirrors will start to
0: appear. Yeah, absolutely. Everything has that shadow side, doesn't it? So when we are that person who who feels, who doesn't feel that appreciation because it might be, I'm always doing this action, or I'm always being asked to do this. I love that mindset shift around that. Well, I'm being asked because it's something that I'm good at. And that val that external validation that we might be looking for is in that question of those other people when they when they ask for whatever it is. Yeah. Or when they come along and say, thank you for organizing.
1: Mm, instead of sitting there feeling frustrated or bitter that you had to do it in the first place (laughs) acknowledging that no it's something i'm good at and it's something i chose to do i didn't say no i use my gifts and here is what i get to receive in return here is my service of love if i choose to see it this way
0: that's where that balance of internal validation versus external validation really hits the road where the rubber hits the road because it's finding that space where if you are doing that all the time and someone doesn't say thank you it can be hard to to sit with that as you say it is easy to fall into that trap of feeling unappreciated and yet I think if you asked that person or if you said to that person, hey, I feel like I've been doing this all the time, that person might come back absolutely as a mirror to you with that self-validation again. Yeah, you do that all the time and I appreciate it so much. Or I love that you do it because I'm not able to. That's not where my skill set lies. So there's opportunity, I think, in that to be able to have others help build that internal validation for you as well and be that mirror.
1: Yeah, it's one of the big shifts I see when working with clients is starting out there's this looking for external validation, whether it's the number on the scales or feeling like you're enough at work or feeling like you are unconditionally loved by a partner. And then there becomes a point where all of a sudden you start to realize that that has to come from you first and start to look for internal validations. What is the feeling I'm looking for from losing weight? I want to feel confident or I want to feel worthy. And then that just shifts everything once you can make that shift, because you're no longer outsourcing your power. To a number or another person who, who knows what's happening in their world. But yeah, you've got it within inside you, you determine whether you stay in your gift and your pleasure and your joy, or whether you choose to outsource your power to someone else or something.
0: And then the more that you do that, the more that it builds within yourself as well. So the more that you can acknowledge those little things, the more that that's going to build. Because I think if if we were to ask, I remember I was once asked to write down a list of 50, 50 things that I'm good at. And I was like, I can't write 50 things. Like, there's no way. And I remember the person said, like, take as long as you need. If it takes a week, just have that every time you think about something. And can I tell you, the list had such a small what felt like insignificant things at the time things like I am good at folding a fitted sheet now that might not be a skill that everybody needs in life but it is something that I feel like I'm good at doing I I don't have to roll them up I can fold I can fold it neatly (laughs) it was things like um i am good at programming the vcr now that's showing how old i am but when i used to at home no, no one could work out how to program the vcr to record something off the telly i was good at that that went on my list it wasn't all the big deep things initially and those little things it was i know i'm i'm really good at baking cakes and It did take me quite a while to write that list. I certainly didn't do it in one sitting, but I got there. And when I looked back over that list, I was able to start seeing the patterns in there in terms of what each of those things meant for me and also for what I could give to others as well. By writing down lots of those little things, it It lets you start to see the patterns and it's a really great activity to try. I encourage you to get a piece of paper, start your little list, see how long it takes you. For some of you, you might get 50 in in one sitting. For some of you, it might take a little bit longer to really discover or to, to think about what things you're good at.
1: I've done that activity before too and it's so useful to just read it sometimes. Because you forget as you go through life and like, I'm really good at puzzles but I only do them once a year <laughs> and then all of a sudden it's like hey I'm good at puzzles because I love puzzles and that's how I could, I could why don't why don't I do them more <laughs> it gives you that permission. Oh I would love you really. over my house. <laughs> yeah so I, that's what I'm gonna do I'm gonna start doing more puzzles and then enjoy it and have more pleasure from it and then brag it to the world that hey this is something I'm like pretty amazing at if you see the pace I puzzle at and the level of focus I do it like the world just disappears as is the case of most of our gifts right you don't notice you're doing a chore when you're folding a fitted sheet I'm sure Fiona because you're just in your zone of genius
0: I do get a lot of sat- satisfaction out of it being nice and neat it's true Uh, And I'm terrible at puzzles. So it's absolutely, it's when we are doing those things that are our gifts, when we are in there, all those other things fall away. You can't be paying attention to other things. You can't be, your mind can't be in all of those other places when you're really sitting and being in that space that you are offering your gift. And I think that's where the power of finding your gifts really is.
1: And what about the big gifts that take time to build them? Like no one wakes up a genius in their their thing, you know? Like how do we foster building our gifts, allowing ourselves to get momentum and grow in the areas that we're naturally talented in?
0: Mm, I love that question. I feel like... The, and the word that came to my mind when you said that was um, perfectionism. <laughs> and it's uh, for me, it was around letting go of perfectionism. So one of the things I love doing is sewing. I've done a little bit of it. I did, did textiles when I was in high school and I did knitting as well. So I love doing some of those crafty things, but I'm not great at it. I've never been that person to to get to that next level of skill. <laughs> I can do the basics, but I've never sort of gotten to that next level of really being able to do very complex things. And I remember I had a conversation with someone and I, I had sort of said, oh, I miss doing some of that crafty stuff, but it's been a while since I've done it. And I feel like it's not going to be very good. And they said, how about you let go of the expectation and just do it for the joy of doing it? So allowing, and I want to say almost allowing yourself the waste at the end. So it doesn't, you know, it doesn't need to be, I don't have to sew to make something that is useful and that I'm going to now use forever or I'm going to gift to someone. I can just practice some stitching Or make some little things and unpick them and start again. And so I think letting go of the outcome at the end and allowing yourself to just sort of practice. And I hopped on and after I had this conversation, I um, had a little bit of fabric left and I made at the time some pyjama pants for my nephew who was about uh, 18 months old at the time, so small and I didn't quite have enough fabric. So I had one little part where like there was a weird patch that I put in at the side. And I mean, it was not stitched very well. Right. But he didn't know he's 18 months old. He's just like, these are cool superhero pants. So I think we can let go of that need to be that perfection, perfectionistic. And particularly, I think when I think about the crafting things, people love when there's a little bit of something not quite right, because it's made with love and it's handmade. And that's what shows that love and care has actually been put into whatever you end up making. So letting go of that perfectionism and the outcome, because that's going to help you practice. And the way you're going to get better and grow in your skills is by practicing. (laughs) And then it will naturally get better.
1: Mm. I think you've tapped into something really important in that, like having hobbies. You may not see it as the big important gift in your life that's going to make money or it's going to, you know, we think about career so often, but by practicing in the creative space, you, you learn those skills to bring creativity into all areas of your life, work in particular. And then the other thing you've tapped into is that power of taking the goal-orientated thinking off the table and focusing on the feeling of taking small steps and building that self-worth. And I, I've been working on this for about two years, not racing ahead, enjoying where I'm at, taking the small steps. And in the last month, there's been this absolute like epiphany of I'm here again. (laughs) And, And for good reason, like I had to feel that agitation and unease and fear and just. Yeah, outright rushing of wanting to be at the next step of my expansion again to realize, oh, I'm losing all the joy of where I am right now. And yeah, I can see that in all areas of my life. I've just decided I'm going to start running because I literally going to have to start at a walking pace. And then I get to practice my intuition. Some days it feels good to run for a couple of minutes. Some days it doesn't. Some days I get sore knees and I stop. But I'm practicing that muscle of, I'm going to do this to feel what it's like to move my muscles to be in my body and to have maybe a few moments of flow space where it all feels amazing and then push through on the days where it doesn't feel amazing or choose to opt out and not feel guilty there's so much in that act of trying to run that allows me to ironically slow down in my work life and my parenting life the things that I'm Usually trying to skip ahead rather than just enjoying the moment of where I am right now.
0: That presence, isn't it? That presence in the moment.
1: Yeah.
0: And being able to be with wherever our gift is in that in that moment. Yeah. Another really great exercise to do, I remember when I did this, when I first was doing my training, my eating psychology coaching training, and we were asked to send a message to five people essentially asking what our gifts are. It was was basically asking for external validation. (laughs) So I had to write Uh, Or send a message to five people asking, what does our relationship mean to you? Mm. And what what is the thing that is most meaningful that you feel that I bring to this relationship? And it took me a while to choose my five people. And it took a lot of courage to write that kind of out of the blue. And I remember prefacing it. I said, you know that I'm doing this course. I'm running this training. I have been told that I have to ask you this because it can feel weird asking other people, what does this mean to you? What do I mean to you? What do I bring? And and having that conversation, right? With friends or with colleagues or with people, sometimes even with our immediate family or with our partner. Some people have those conversations regularly. Others don't. So I prefaced it, said, you know, I I have to ask you this question. I've been asked to ask. And the amount of different answers that I got back was really interesting. The challenge then came from not rebuffing that. I literally just had to say thank you very much, not give them the answers back again, which is what I wanted to do. Thank you so much. This is what you mean to me. And this is what you bring to me. No, it was about me being able to receive that and feel it and learn how to hold that for myself. Mm -hmm. And that was a really big challenge, really, really valuable thing to do. So if you want an excuse (laughs) to ask the people in your life, what your gifts are or what you bring to them, feel free to say, my coaches, Josephine and Fiona from Outside the Square podcast, asked me to ask you this question. And then ask, if you need that permission, you have it from us as as a reason to ask that because you will be amazed at the things that, that came back. And for me, it was really, it was heartwarming to hear the things that people felt that I brought. And it allowed me to then start to feel that for myself, go, yeah, actually, that is something that I do bring. I didn't realise that was valuable to you. And, yeah, it was a really, really special thing to do
1: receiving that feedback is so vulnerable like we're talking about our ability to receive receive pleasure receive joy recognition appreciation and that's a really hard thing for a lot of us but yeah if you can open the floodgates a little and then start giving yourself the internal validation switching it over as we talked about to appreciating those things within you these are gifts you've found them but there's also your your validation and your worth you've found that too and that's like the real gem and that changes who you are as a person To to stand in this world and offer your gifts to others in loving service because you know you're good at these things that's why we're here those conversations may feel too vulnerable or too hard that that's sort of the point. Like receiving is a really new skill if you haven't received praise in this in in a way where you're that vulnerable
0: before. Yeah, and I have to tell you, I texted people those questions and got text responses because I was too scared to ask in person. Which would be different if I redid that exercise now. I probably would ask a few people in in person and actually receive it in the moment, but you're right. It's all about that receiving. And I think when we think about some of the clients that both you and I see, a lot of the way that people receive their joy is through food and alcohol. So what finding your gifts is all about What getting this validation, what being vulnerable is all about, what getting to the core of you and having that internal validation is about is being able to receive other means of joy and other means of validation, other means of helping us to feel comfort and and love towards ourselves, not just using food and alcohol to do that. Because for a lot of us, using that food and alcohol is the way that we get that. And it's a really useful tool. And it's also important that we have other ways of doing that and other ways of getting to those feelings so that we can know that we are being really authentic in our choices. As you say, with your running, it's about, you know, sometimes I'm going to push through. Sometimes I'm going to opt not to do it. Sometimes I'm going to really find joy in it and having those different options of being able to go, being able to not, being able to jog, being able to slow down and walk instead of run. These are all the things that we want to have in our relationship with food and alcohol is having food there as an option, but also knowing what the other options are so we can pick the one that's going to work for us in the moment. So
1: true I know the most used phrase I use with clients is this is not about the food and 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 we know right I've been in that seat all my clients have been in that seat like yeah this is not about food <laughs> I I know exactly what to eat I know exactly how I should shift my relationship with alcohol but there's other things that that I need to work through first and if you don't know your gifts then you don't know how to receive and And there's a really good hint at where you can start on this journey.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Discovering, finding those things for yourself is the first step and a really, really good one.
1: Yeah, and when oh. you have to come back to this is you just have to come back to them again and again and again until they just pour from you and then
0: then you know it's your gift. I love it. Write them down. Pop them up on your fridge or on your wall so you can go back. Remind yourself.
1: If you've done these activities before, do it again.
0: Keep growing. I think what we're going to do to help you with your little listicle is over on our Instagram page at Outside the Square Podcast This week we're going to put the word gifts or my gifts up on a post. Come and tell us, what are your gifts? Let's start having a little bit of a a space where we can come back to and, and really start defining and finding what our gifts are. So if you haven't come across to us at Instagram, please do when you listen to this episode and come and share what your gifts are or just send either Josephine or myself an email. Our addresses are in the show notes of this episode. But for now.
1: Before we finish up today, we would like to acknowledge the original custodians of the lands on which our podcast is created, the Ngai Tahu people of Aotearoa, New Zealand,
0: and the Kamaregal people of the Eora Nation, Australia. We pay our respects to Elders past, present and emerging and to all our listeners who identify as Aboriginal, Torres Strait Islander, or Maori.
1: We love connecting with you, our listeners, and talking about the topics that mean the most to you. Reach out to us on Instagram at Outside the Square Podcast and let us know what you want to hear more of.
0: Until next week, keep stepping outside your square.